hand out, uh, raise your hand. I think Brother Gerth has a few more. It's just for you to take home with you. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't even have mine this morning because I'm going to uh, elaborate a little more than uh, what that lesson had. It's from our uh, Aurora Bible Institute. We use it for discipling people. Uh, much of this Daniel's been through, and uh, we try to disciple with this material. But uh, it's a course on the church, and uh, we want to begin this morning in Matthew 28 and verse 16, Matthew 28 and 16. <clears throat> then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We started, we started this series on uh, the church three weeks ago. Uh, the first lesson really involved a study of understanding of uh, what a church is. <clears throat> and we pointed out to you that a church, a New Testament usage of the word church, is not a building. It's not all the saved. We can't confuse the family of God and the kingdom of God with the church of God. And we gave you a good working definition. I think it, uh, this probably came from some of the literature that Brother Sargent and Brother Priss developed. Um, the church is an assembly of baptized believers organized to carry out the Lord's work. And, uh, and we spoke about specific words in that definition. And then we, uh, we began to uh, look at, at what are some marks of identification uh, of a New Testament church. And the, and the first, first one we looked at is that it, it's a, it's a biblical, it's a, it, it's, it's a rule and practice, it's teaching comes from uh, the New Testament. And we should be, uh, try to exemplify uh, the Bereans. When Paul went to Berea, uh, he said, and these were more noble than those at Thessalonica, in that they received the word with readiness of mind, and search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And Paul later on said, I've not shunned to declare unto you the, all the counsel of God. And so what we do and what we believe should have a biblical basis for it. There is some leeway about when you turn the lights on or, you know, if you take up an offering or you have a box back behind and people put their offering in that. There, there are things like that, but when it comes to biblical mandates and biblical uh, in the function of working, of carrying out the Great Commission, 
the Bible is going to be our rule of faith and practice. And then the second mark that we're, that we're going on right now is, is that a New Testament church has con congregational government and autonomy. And uh, that is uh, something that's not believed by probably 80% of, quote, Christianity. That these, uh, these teachings are uh, unique in that many don't teach them. But we find that uh, the church is autonomous, and we one of the verses that we looked at, and it, and it is the final authority. Remember, we uh, looked at Matthew chapter 18, where a couple within the church had problems, and they would go and tell the fault between him and the person alone. And we stressed that last week, that before we go blabbing off to our best friend in the church about what someone else in the church did to us. Go to them and talk to them. Sometimes it's misunderstanding. Sometimes it's wrong. And sometimes there needs to be an apology. And sometimes people say, you know, you need to grow up. I didn't do anything wrong. And then encourage them to take two or three with you if you won't hear you. And it's an it's a issue not whether, you know, you brought pizza or hamburgers <laughs> to the fellowship, but it's an issue that's going to disrupt the unity within the church and it's going to affect fellowship, you take two or three with you, and we pointed out that that verse says, and if you neglect to hear them, often, often a neglected part of the whole process of Matthew 18 is that when the two and three go, they do not make a pronouncement. They need to say to one of them or both of them, you know, you're both wrong. You both need to change here, and, and you should listen to them. If, if they make a, and so what I'm saying, a lot of times people, two or three will go listen and they keep their mouth shut. And, you know, I'm not going to get involved in it. No, once you've, once you've went with a person, you're involved. And you're, and you're expected to make some kind of a statement. But if I neglect to hear them, the Bible says, tell it unto the church. That the church was the final say. That the, that the buck stopped with the church. And what the church determined was going to be uh, final. Now, I want to uh, talk a little bit. This is kind of uh, convoluted, but you have to bear with me as we work through it. But we're talking about, we're going to talk about church authority, and we're going to uh, look at how that plays out in the New Testament. And so we talk about authority. And if we have a, if we have a, a authority diagram, at the top, so at the top, the head is Jesus Christ. Look over in Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter 1, 
in the 22nd verse, and hath put, he's, he's, it's in reference to Christ. You see, uh, at verse 20, Christ is mentioned, and he's far above principalities and powers, Christ. And verse 22 of Ephesians 1, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be a head over all things to the church. Now let's keep in mind that the word church is an assembly. There's numerous assemblies of the Lord's churches reproducing churches. And so it's not just the head of, uh, you know, all of Christendom, though he's the Savior. But what he's saying, when, he, when we have this word, he's, he's the head of the body of the church, and we know that a body is, can't be spread all every place, but a body is local. I'm, I'm here standing here. I can't be in California, or I wouldn't want to be in California anyway. <laughs> but uh, it's local. And so, so what it's saying is this. The head of Black Road Baptist Church is Jesus Christ. That's what it's saying. And so the head of the church is the Lord. Colossians reiterates that, and he says, and he is the head of the body of the church. In Matthew chapter 28, uh, which we just read, all power is given to me. That word power is, is a different word than in Acts chapter 1, where Acts chapter 1 says, uh, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost to come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. That's ability power, the ability to do it, a whole different word that it's translated from. But this word here is a word for exousia. It's a word exousia in the Greek, but it's a word for authority, that I'm in charge. That when he said all power is given to me in heaven and earth, go ye therefore, he's claiming the power of authority, authority power in the New Testament church. Now, go back with me also to Acts chapter 20. Not only do we see that the Bible tells us that he's the head, but in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, and we'll look at this uh, in this series maybe next week uh, a, a couple of times, but in Acts 20 and 28, Paul's at Ephesus, and he's charging the pastors at Ephesus, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. And we're on this verse at this moment. I'm going to concentrate on purchase. That, that, that Christ is the head, uh, because, not only because he's, he's a creator of all things, but, he, but he, he purchased it. The church is his out of, out of the price that he paid, that he owns it, that, that it belongs to him. He's the owner. He's the president of the church. He has the right to get his way about everything done in and by the church. Church members must not ever, ever, ever forget that what we need to determine is Christ's will, what Christ wants. He's the monarch. He's the boss. No one has the right to usurp authority over the affairs of the church and whether he says needs to be done. 
his pronouncements about the way things are to be done and by the church are all over the New Testament. We find his principles and his pronouncements all over. Look over in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, a very, very uh, sobering verse in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And verse 15, he says, But if I tarry long, that is Timothy, Paul talking to Timothy, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. He said that there's enough Bible that members of a New Testament church ought to know how to behave themselves. That there's a responsibility, not just with the leadership, but there's a responsibility for each and every member to behave yourself. And he gives us instruction what that means. The behavior that should be about. And and there's so so much in the Bible about Christian character and and the things that we should do and our lifestyle. and, and, And he's just saying that there's a responsibility in being a member of a New Testament church to behave yourself, <laughs> you know? I can think of, of, of uh, I don't know any specific thing right this morning, but I can think of uh, my parents. I know my parents said this on numerous occasions. Gene, behave yourself. What are they saying? Act like you're supposed to act. Do what you're supposed to do. Quit it. And, uh, and uh, we have a direct command from the Lord here as a member of a New Testament church to behave yourself, to, to, to do what God would desire for us to do, to behave ourselves. And it says, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, and the importance, truth, the, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Where is truth today? Many will say truth is relative. What you believe is fine, what I believe is fine. But the Bible teaches absolute truth, and it teaches it's found within God's word and the person of God. And so we have uh, Christ as the president, and then underneath that uh, we have the Holy Spirit. And you understand, and we'll look at a verse, but you understand that that the Holy Spirit is not under Christ in authority or superiority, but he's sent here to uh, do a job. Look in, uh, look in uh, John chapter 14. In John chapter 14. John 14, and in verse 12. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and the greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. 
And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that my Father may be glorified in his Son. And if you shall ask anything in, in my name, I will do it. Uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. And so the Lord promises a comforter to, to replace him as he was here upon the earth, established his own church, was with his church. But he said, I'm going to go away and we know that he has gone into heaven, that he's our intercessor at the right hand of God. In heaven, he's uh, going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. He's working in heaven. But he's left the second person of the Godhead, the third person of the Godhead, we remember, the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding the church. He's, he's the superintendent. He's the vice president, if you want to say that. And, and you can see that throughout the book of Acts. Actually, you know, uh, many Bibles list, when they put a title on the book of Acts, they'll, they'll put the Acts of the Apostles. And it is the Acts of the Apostles, but it's much more than that. It's the Acts of the New Testament church, and, there's so, and churches that came from churches. And there's so much that we can find in the book of Acts of the working and, and the intent that the Lord has for churches in this day. But over and over you see that it's the Holy Spirit that that's, uh, is the vice president. The Holy Spirit is one that's guiding and leading. And, and uh, in verse 24, chapter 1, uh, they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knoweth the hearts of all men, show whether these two thou hast chosen and that refers to Christ, but also the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Look in chapter 5 and verse 3. Oh, I'm just saying that the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding in the New Testament church. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? And you'll see in bottom of verse 4 that, of course, the Holy Ghost is identified with God himself, and that he is God. But it's the Holy Spirit that's leading and guiding. Look in uh, chapter, uh, chapter, uh, uh, chapter 9 and verse 31. Chapter 9 and 31. The church has been going through persecution and trials. And then it has this amazing statement here in, in chapter 9, verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, means built up. And you see it's churches. It's not one big church. It's churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. That the Holy Ghost, you know, he was sent as the comforter. He's just sent as the one to stand by us and to guide us. And it's not just comforting, I don't think, there and patting you on the back, although he does encourage us. But he, he, is, a, he is very much right in the middle of things. And when he's not, 
allowed to be in the middle of things, then uh, we're out of order. Look over in uh, chapter 13. Chapter 13. In verse 1, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Holy Spirit's calling, the church is separating, making sure they meet the qualifications, setting them aside. And when they fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they, that is the church, sent them away. But in verse 4, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia. I mean, what's going on here? They sent them away, and then the next verse said, being sent by the Holy, Holy Ghost. Because, because when, we're talking about, when we're talking about authority in the church, and we're going to go on and see a pastor, what we're talking about is a team. It's a team, and, the, and, and nothing was done uh, without the team knowing it. They all worked together, it, it is, and, and as we go through these, these, some of these things I'm going to be teaching you, it's so marvelous to see the Holy Spirit and the New Testament church and the pastors. As I said last week, it's not, it, it's not to be like two doll sheep in the spring, I don't know how those guys live. If you've ever watched them, man, they'll hit each other and they'll, they'll just go up. And, and a church shouldn't be button heads, but it should be a dovetail together, a unity. And, and so the Holy Spirit is working. He's leading. He's guiding. Uh, many other things we could read uh, in Acts 15, when they talk about circumcision, they said that they, they, with, they agreed with the whole church and the Holy Spirit was involved in all that. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit, and we'll look at that later. And so, the, the Lord is in heaven. The second person, or the third person, the Holy Spirit, is, uh, is here leading and guiding. And then if you go back to Acts 20, and 28, Acts 20 and 28. I hope you're here for all these lessons because I think there's a real misunderstanding in uh, church authority, pastoral authority uh, that, that needs to be a biblical understanding. In Acts 20, 28, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers. And so we have Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, and then we have, in this area of authority, overseers. And, and uh, as you study that, uh, here in 2017, you can see over... Uh, that they're called elders. Uh, they're to feed the flock of God. That word feed has to do with shepherd or pastor. 
And so there's a number of terms used for a, a pastor, an overseer, a bishop, uh, all refer to the New Testament pastor. And so what we have, we have the president, we have the executive vice president, the president of Christ, the Holy Spirit executive vice president, if you want to use that term. And then we have pastors and superintendents on the ground, boot work. They're, they're, they're doing the work of giving God's message to the people. Now, over all of this under Christ is, is authority of the, of the church, of the New Testament church. The church is not, the church is not uh, vetoing or overcoming the Lord. Uh, these, are, these are the ultimate authorities. But in the overseer in the New Testament church, there's also a great unity of working together with, uh, with God. Go back again to Matthew chapter 28. And you can see uh, here as at the very end of Matthew, it would cause us to understand that Jesus' presence upon the earth is shortly going to be no more. This is after the resurrection. These are the final words that Matthew record of Jesus speaking to his church. It's commonly called the Great Commission. And clearly the word power, all power is given to me. It, it, the, the topic is authority. Again, exousia, authority. And it seems very clearly to me that it... Uh, is designated authority. This Greek word translated power here is translated 29 times power in the New Testament from the original word. Two times authority, one time right, one time jurisdiction. And I think the term great commission is very appropriate because it's a, a commission that's been given with authority to his church. And that, uh, that, uh, and that needs to be understand, understood. Uh, and so, uh, I guess we, you know, we ask the question, well, who, who, who is he talking to in this passage? In Matthew chapter 28, it, it says, it says the 11, but, but who is this? And so, it's not a, it's not a hard, it's not a hard, uh, issue to understand, although it's been perverted by many, quote, Christian groups, but we want to understand, when he said, all thousands are given to me, and they say, go disciple or teach all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe, who, who is addressed? And if we find out who is addressed, then it's going to directly make, cause us to understand 
Who has authority? Who has this power? Where, is this, where does this power rest? Well, the first, the first consideration, it could be the 11. You'll see in verse 16, this 11 disciples, because Judas hadn't been replaced yet. And we can say, well, he's talking to the 11 disciples. Right there it says in verse 16 that they're up in Galilee, and Jesus came unto them and spake unto them, in verse 18, all power. But if that's the case, then when, when the disciples died, the commission also died. Because that's who he's speaking to. He said, well, no, he, he's speaking to all the saved. That each of us is, are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, practically, that won't work. That I can, you know, I can witness to people. I can baptize them. I can teach them. But I can't do that and go into all the world unless all my disciples follow me. In fact, if you study out in Acts, Paul was a year and a half in Corinth. And so it, it, individuals can't do it. And in fact, it doesn't that make sense, you know, because it talks about the requirements of, the, of a pastor and, and uh, the, that both in Titus and Timothy. And so we've come to the conclusion that is, it, is a, it is a church, New Testament churches, that have this authority to carry out the Great Commission. And one of the things that we understand with this, this 11 disciples, if you go over to uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 28, it says the Lord set first in the church the apostles. And so we find that the Lord has started something in his own ministry, his church. And so it's not a far-fetched thing to say that he was talking to more than just the 11. And so the authority lies within the church. Now let me ask you, let's, let's look at a couple of things here. In, in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, Philip's gone down to Samaria and he's preaching in chapter 8 of Acts, verse 5. And people are believing. And it says in verse 8, 14, Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. And so here, Philip's down there preaching. A great revival is coming. Uh, people are being saved. And when this news gets back to the church at Jerusalem, they send down Peter and John. Why? Were they better preachers than, than Philip? Did Peter and John need to go down there because, because they needed to assist in this great revival movement? Look also in um, Acts chapter 11. 
Acts chapter 11. People have been scattered because of the persecution in Jerusalem. And they went everywhere preaching the gospel. And in verse 20 of Acts 11, they've come to Antioch. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, speaking to the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. A great revival is going on here. People are being saved. Then tidings of these saints came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Why? Was he a better teacher? Was he a better preacher? Why? Well, I mean, we, there's a lot of things, a lot of speculation we can make, but what, one of the things that you can't, you can't, uh, argue. I don't think you can argue it. Maybe you can. But what I see that there was there was something started in Samaria. And whatever started in Samaria, here's Samaria had a direct linkage back to Jerusalem. Because they sent them two guys down there to aid them and authority. Why did they go to Antioch? Because, because there was a linkage from the church in Jerusalem uh, to Antioch. That, that God is not a God, uh, when it comes to his work, it's not a God of freelancing. Authority is involved and leadership and guidance. And so what's the point? The point is that all power, all authority of Matthew 28 lies not with the disciples. Authority of a church, what happens in a church, doesn't lie with the elder. It doesn't lie with individual members but it lies with the assembly of baptized believers organized to carry out the Lord's work. The final say in Matthew 18 was the church. Now, though, though the church is the ultimate seat of authority here, the ultimate authority is in him uh, who purchased it. And Ephesians 3.21 says this, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, world without end, throughout all ages, world without end. And so, uh, and we're, we're going to get into this at length, but so we have... We have Jesus, he's bought it, he purchased it, he said, I'm going to build my church. We have the Holy Spirit, we have the New Testament church, and we have elders 
doing the groundwork. Um, and we're going to, I'm going to get I'll jump ahead just a little bit. We know, we know where this authority comes from. He's the ultimate authority. I mean, he's God. There is, there is truth that is undeniable. We know that this is designated authority, but where does the elder have the authority? And, we, and this is going to be really interesting when we get over there. You know, he told it. He told Timothy, "Don't let anybody despise your youth." Now, what does that mean? It's going to be interesting when we get over there to find out what that means. But let me just jump ahead a little bit. The authority that an elder has, the only authority that an elder has, is Bible. I have no right to tell you where to work. I might suggest where you don't work or move to because you may not find the church. But my authority lies in the person who sent me and called me. And you see, you need to listen to me because I'm speaking for the Lord and no other reason. Are you with me? When somebody begins to tell you, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this, you need to say, well, where's the, where, where's the, what's the biblical basis for that? And we'll, and we'll see as we get on through here. And, and let me tell you something. That doesn't always happen in a New Testament church. That we're all, we're all humans. And a pastor can say, you better listen to me. <laughs> and you can also, you know, I mean, there's been times if I wasn't a preacher and I wasn't a pastor, uh, this fist would have been right on the end of a nose. Because we're human. But the authority that we have is biblical authority. And um, so, I don't know how much time I have. Okay, lots of time. Let's just talk about authority. Let's talk about the nature, the nature of authority. First, maybe not in importance, but all authority is delegated. All authority is delegated. Look over in um, 
Romans 13.1. Romans 13.1. That every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power, and this word here again is the authority issue, there is no power but of God. The powers that be, or the authorities that be, are ordained of God. And Daniel says, this matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand of the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. So, if, if he, if all subject, if all powers, every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. This means that no person, no person, no matter what office he holds, is above rebuke if he strays from the ultimate authority of God's word. Daniel. Daniel went before King Nebuchadnezzar and challenged him with his sin. He went before Belshazzar. John the Baptist went before Herod and, and said, you're, you're wrong in taking your father's wife. Um, and we'll look at this verse again, too. Or maybe I'll just skip that. We'll get to it. And so, underneath this, all authority is delegated. Uh, this uh, point A under, underneath that would be all, all delegated authority Answers to God. Government. Policemen are going to answer to the Lord. Our president is going to answer to the Lord. Our senators will answer to the Lord. Bosses, if you're over some hired hands, that's authority. You're going to answer to the Lord. Pastors, they're going to answer to the Lord. Fathers, being a father is a delegated authority. And being a husband is a delegated authority. God has given you that authority and all the responsibilities with it. You're going to answer to the Lord. Mothers. God has given you to be a mother. Giving you the authority to be a mother. You're going to answer to the Lord. 
Now that's pretty sobering, but let me tell you again, all authority is delegated authority. God has put you in charge, and you will give an account. Joe Biden will give an account. Pastor Demo and I will give an account. I will give an account on how I raise my children and how I treat my wife. If I was a boss, I'm going to give an account. It's interesting, you read a lot of verses on this, but God is concerned how an employer treats his employees. You'll give an account. All authority is delegated authority. Now, secondly, authority is met. See how I word this. For Authority is meant for blessing and protection. Authority is not meant to say, shut up and straighten up and listen to me and I'm the boss. Sometimes you have to be firm, and sometimes you have to uh, be loud. <laughs> but it's not about me. It's about me being a blessing and a protection. You see, the President of the United States should be concerned for his citizens. and not his philosophy. Parents ought to be concerned for their soul and the outcome of their children. <laughs> I, I knew, well, there was a member of this church at one time who got, he had some stepchildren, but he got into a little, you know, power struggle and here is a stepfather out there fist fighting his son to show you need to respect me because I'm your daddy. Sad, sad, sad. Those in authority are meant to be a blessing. Look over there in chapter 13 of Romans in verse 4. We just read a little bit here, but and he is a minister, that is the person who is bearing the sword, the, the police officer, the peaceable authority. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon the, the, him that doeth evil. And so he's not a chump. And there's two sides to that. But God has appointed leaders in our, in our country to be a blessing. Look in Ephesians chapter... Uh, 6 and verse 9, it uses the term master here, but it would apply to employers. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 9, 
Ephesians 6 and 9. And ye masters, do the same thing unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Uh, verse 8 says, Knowing that whosoever, whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall be received of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. But we see here that he gives specific instructions to those in authority, that God is watching, and, and that he is he, there to be a blessing. The pastor is there to watch for your soul. The parents are to be a blessing and to protect. And the New Testament church that has authority, the New Testament church exists here to be a blessing and to be authority in your life. And even in church discipline, that's a blessing. But when a church disciplines a member from this church, it's not about, you know, being mean, but it's about Salvaging the soul. Okay, what time is it? All right, and only three more points in this. Okay, we'll get this one more here. Authority. Authority. Does not equal superiority you understand that look in uh, 1 Corinthians 11 3 1 Corinthians 11 3 Well, let's begin in verse 1. Be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I'd have you to know, I'd have you know, that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, men like to read in Ephesians and these verses, woman, I'm the boss and I'm in authority here. You need to learn that I am in charge. And he is. He's in charge to be a blessing and protection but what I want you to see here is it says Jesus Christ, look at here, it says, and the head of Christ is God. Is God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and inferior in any way to each other? No. And neither is a wife inferior to her husband. But God does have a what should you say, a standard of authority and how he wants to work. And so when we get over into the church, and, and, and there's much more we're going to get on here, uh, 
And uh, we're going to talk about biblical authority is not a matter of position, but it's a matter of character. And we'll see why he said to Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. Don't take no guff off that person. Well, I don't think it's saying that. But what but but we need to understand here today that this area of authority goes far beyond the local New Testament church. But it is in the church. And we need to understand from Matthew chapter 28 that that authority was given to something that was even until the end of the age, to the end of the world, to the end of the age, that it's invested within the body of a New Testament church. And so, uh, I think it's going to be a blessing to us because, you see, if you'll stay in your lane and I'll stay in my lane and I make sure that I'm listening to the Bible and listening to the Lord, whether I'm a church member or a father or a husband, then uh, it seems like things really run well when you stay in your lane. And in the end, God gets the glory. Because there's just a lot of things that he wants a father to do and a husband to do that he can't do without God. There's lots of things he wants me to do as a church member that I can't do without the Lord. Okay. This kind of developed into quite a little uh, monster in itself in these lessons.